Brought to you by Feitner Productions. Our world is a microscopic but colorful ping pong ball spinning madly through the emptiness of the universe. We are mere dust specks in the infinite void. We call ourselves humanity. Our words, our laws, resist our inner darkness and our base cruelty. One man straddles the razor's edge between law and disorder. He's a lawyer who calls himself the Dave Letterman of the courtroom, a dapper MC in a variety show nobody watches. Beyond Unreasonable Doubt and Verboten Productions presents Laying Down the Law with Billy DeClerc, your host. That's me. Hey, welcome to Laying Down the Law, Season 2, Episode 2, the podcast where we read real legal cases and then make up fake improv and then talk for real with our guests. I'm your host, Billy DeClerc, and I like to say my own name. I want to thank all of our listeners and our sponsor, the Law Office of Steve Gorman. Laying Down the Law is sponsored by attorney Steve Gorman, the law shark, law shark, law shark, law shark. If you've been seriously injured in a serious accident involving long metal wire and overhead trolley cables, then you need a real fighter. Call Steve Gorman, the law shark, law shark, law shark, law shark. Hi, I'm attorney Steve Gorman, the law shark, law shark, law shark. Steve Gorman has been fighting for victims like you for over three years. Steve Gorman has been injured in a street fighting accident himself, so Steve Gorman knows what it means to be seriously injured. Law shark! Law shark! Law shark! Law shark! Steve Gorman is a retired amateur boxer, so I'll fight for you like Steve Gorman used to fight in the ring when Steve Gorman took numerous punches directly to the head. Law shark, law shark, law shark, law shark. Call the offices of Steve Gorman, the law shark, law shark, law shark. Today, we'll fight for you like a daddy shark in heat. We never stop until you get paid. The law shark, law shark, law shark, law shark. Results not guaranteed. Actual results may vary. Batteries not included. Steve Gorman is not a licensed attorney in the United States of America. He is a retired amateur boxer in the former Soviet Republic of Moldova only. The Law Shark action figure is the exclusive worldwide property of Mattel, and its trademarks are used without permission. Any resemblance to any true events, actual persons, sharks, lawyers, or toys, living or dead, is unintended and purely coincidental. All rights reserved. Today's first guest host is an actor and an improviser originally from Delaware County, Pennsylvania. That's PA, if you've heard of it. She's been performing on the LA comedy stages since 2013. She also co-hosted a comedy improv podcast, Super Squirrel Conversations for three seasons, and has launched a new podcast, Guide for Clueless Rich People, coming soon to every podcast player in the universe, really soon. She's a proud resident of the Playhouse District in Pasadena, California, <laughs> where the uptight rich ladies don't wear masks. You can mm-hmm. follow her on Instagram at squirrel underscore convo, C-O-N-V-O. I'm pleased to welcome Kathy Eller. Hi, thank you so 
Thanks. Thanks for coming. Now, Thank not you. to be outdone, our second guest co-host is an experienced voice actor, improviser, arts and design professional with a Bachelor of Music focused in musical theater from New York University, that's NYU, to those of you who like acronyms. She's been featured in audiobooks, film, animation, commercials, and theater. She's the lead singer of the vampire cover band, Give Blood, who, sadly, will be staying in their coffins this Halloween. She's also a nominee for this year's Sovis Voice Arts Award. You can follow her on Instagram at Tony Senatore. I'm pleased to welcome Tony Senatore. Hi. Hey. Thanks for having me. <laughs> and um, and, and that, that audio um, prize, that voice actor prize, what was that for again? Uh, the nomination? Yeah. It's for a toy that I voice called Letterosaurus by Leapfrog. <laughs> <laughs> leapfrog yeah we have um my son actually has um a couple of shares of leapfrog stock so uh, oh, wow good stuff. yeah hopefully yeah. i'm uh, helping his stock <laughs> yeah i hope so too um it was in trouble there for a while but we had a we had a um a letter um like a caterpillar with like little letters on the side of it when he was little oh yeah this is very similar only better because it's my voice oh yeah cool <laughs> And um, Kathy, tell us just some, can you tell us something about Guide for Clueless Rich People? Hopefully we've got some really rich listeners and, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm co-hosting it with my other, uh, my friend Kristen Lucas. It's just, we're both, we playing two characters, two very clueless uh, rich people that are helping other very stupid, clueless rich people in this time of COVID. So we're oh. giving them little tips and tricks. Oh, to get that, through it. <laughs> that sounds great. And, um, and uh, have you launched the podcast yet or is it coming soon? It's, we're just, we're just uh, doing uh, episodes now. So it hasn't launched yet, but it will this the end of the year. Awesome. I can't wait to hear it. Thanks. All right. Well, we, um, why don't we jump to the case of the week? Um, I got my big fat law book here. This is what you're like in court. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Um, this is Adams versus Bullock. This is from uh, New York, 1919. Um, and this is <clears throat> an opinion by uh, Judge Cardozo, who was very famous. You heard of him? No. Yeah. <laughs> famous for what? Being a judge? Yeah. <laughs> He's like okay. the most famous judge that was never on the Supreme Court. Ah. All right. So I'm going to give this my best... Um, uh, Judge Cardozo reading. The defendant Bullock runs a trolley line in the city of Dunkirk, employing an overhead wire system. At one point, the road is crossed by a bridge or culvert, which carries the tracks of the Nickel Plate and Pennsylvania railroads. Pedestrians often use the bridge as a shortcut between streets, and children play on it. 1919, right? Oh. Uh, kids go play on the railroad tracks, right? Um, on April 21st, 1916, the plaintiff, Adams, a boy of 12 years, came across the bridge, swinging a wire about eight feet long. In swinging it, he brought it into contact with the defendant's trolley wire, which ran beneath the structure. The side of the bridge was protected by a parapet 18 inches wide four feet seven and three-fourths inches below the top of the parapet the trolley wire was strung the plaintiff was shocked and burned when the wires came together 
what kind of wire was he swinging? Was he fishing on the <laughs> on the train tracks? Like what? Oh my gosh. Well, these are simpler times before, you know, they invented these fancy electronic toys. And, you know, at that time it was like, well, sorry, kid, the hoop and stick is broken. So here's a wire. Have fun. Go play <laughs> on the train tracks. Right. And that's not tres trespassing or anything. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, um, so he had a verdict at trial term, which has been affirmed by the appellate division by a divided court. So that means it's now in the, the highest court of New York. We think the verdict cannot stand. The defendant in using an overhead trolley was in the lawful exercise of its franchise. Negligence therefore cannot be imputed to it because it used that system and not another. There was of course a duty to adopt all reasonable precautions to minimize the resulting perils. Now, one quick question, do you think keeping kids off of the trolley tracks might have been um, something they, they could have done to reduce the peril? The, the yeah. trolley company? Yeah. I guess so. But I actually, I don't see why they would be liable because why would a kid be swinging a wire that tall to hit the, I mean, that had to have been a long wire. Kids I think it was short. eight feet. It was an eight foot wire. How did he get a wire all the way up to that trolley? Well, table? no, the, 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 well, it'll explain later, but the trolley wire was actually underneath the culvert. So it's kind of important to the decision. And you're really um, honing in on the point that the judge is going to make in a second. So you're kind of like ahead of the That's great judge. Oh, wow. But yeah, so the wire is actually, <laughs> the wire is actually underneath the bridge. And so he swings the wire completely around and underneath and it um, touches the exposed cable underneath the culvert. And, and it didn't it. have any like the wire itself, the trolley wires didn't have any protection around it or signs or warnings. Right, they're right. Mm. Yeah, no warnings, no signs and the wire was uncovered. It, it was not, yeah. that comes in in a, in a second. So they'd totally be liable in 2020. Uh, um, yeah, there wouldn't be a trolley company anymore in 2020. <laughs> you know, they'd be out of business. The MTA would yeah. be in trouble. Well, you know how we're all running around on trolleys all the time. Right? <laughs> trolley. Yeah. Well, you know, after the Green New Deal, we probably will be back on trolleys. Yeah, man. Well, that'd be good. Yeah. So, um, so we think there's no evidence that this, so he says they have a duty to adopt all reasonable precautions. We think there's no evidence this duty was ignored. The trolley wire was so placed that no one standing on the bridge or even bending over the parapet could reach it. Only some extraordinary casualty, not fairly within the area of ordinary provision could make it a thing of danger. Reasonable care in the use of a destructive agency imports a high degree of vigilance. And they cite some cases. But no vigilance, however alert, unless fortified by a gift of prophecy, he's getting a little funny there, yeah. <laughs> could have predicted the point upon the route where such an accident could occur. It might with equal reason have been expected anywhere else. At any point upon the route, a mischievous or thoughtless boy might touch the wire with a metal pole or fling a, a wire across it. If unable to reach it from the walk, he might stand upon a wagon or climb upon a tree. No special danger at this bridge warned the defendant that there was a need of a special measure of precaution. No 
like accident had occurred before. No custom had been disregarded. We think that ordinary caution did not involve the first forethought of this extraordinary peril. It has been so ruled in like circumstances in other jurisdictions. And there's a bunch of cases. <clears throat> in those cases, the accidents were all well within the range of prudent forethought. There was also the basis of the ruling in Nelson. The Nelson case doesn't get discussed here. So you have to assume that whatever that was, it was similar. There is, we may add, a distinction not to be ignored between electric light and trolley wires. <laughs> what, what is the distinction? <laughs> what is it? The distinction is that the former, electric light, may be insulated. Chance of harm, though remote, may betoken negligence, if needless. Facility of protection may impose a duty to protect. With trolley wires, the case is different. Insulation is impossible. Oh. Guards here and there. Mm -hmm. Wait, because it has the spark? It has the spark to move or something? I guess, yeah. I guess at that point, you know, that they, they have to have an open wire to have contact uh -huh. on contact with electricity to run. Like, I'm envisioning, like, Back to the Future, like the car, the, the little <laughs> hook, but opposite way. 1.2 gigawatts! <laughs> We're gonna send you back to the future! I know, like, he didn't put any warning on the clock tower, like, there's a wire overhead, like, wow. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that uh, Doc's legal liability yeah. is he's uninsurable. I need an insurance policy! <laughs> Marty! Marty! <laughs> if the Okay, there's a bridge. The kid is on the bridge and the wire's under the bridge, right? Yeah. So even if they had like protection around it or signs, it wouldn't be on top of the bridge though. Because no one would be thinking that a wire would reach from above the bridge and down and around. Yeah. Right. And Spider-Man is not in 19 1919, so there's no web action or Plus anything like that. Web, web I don't know. Does webbing carry? I don't know. I was webbing light rope. Is it, oh, oh, is wait, uh, Alexa, is spider webbing conductive of electricity? I'm going to say no. Yeah, I don't think so. And okay. even if it did conduct electricity, he's Spider-Man and he'd be fine. Yeah. Right. That's very true. Well, if anything, it might make him more powerful. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like there is like there's like a, another version of the spider verse is like electric spider-man yeah <laughs> we just like wrote that. a spider-man episode we did copyright copyright oh man you, 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 you guys are like are already jumping ahead to the improv part electric oh. spider-man <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so I'll, let me finish this. I'll just, um, guards here and there of little, little value to avert the possibility of this accident and others like it at one point or another on the route, the defendant must have abandoned the overhead system and put all the wires underground. Neither its power nor its duty to make this change is shown. And so to hold it liable upon the facts exhibited on this record would to be to charge it as an insurer. The judgment should be reversed. Hmm. That is Adams versus Bullock. Wait, so the so original, sorry, the original judgment was for the plaintiff? For the boy, yeah. The boy, oh, got, the boy okay. got some money and then they appealed it 
And when they appealed it to the, the court of appeal, the, the middle level court, they upheld it too. And then they went all the way to the equivalent of the Supreme Court for the state of New York, which said, um, not so much. Oh, wow. So, I mean, that happened in, in my lifetime. Like, I remember, like, we have uh, a, rail, a railroad that um, goes through a street and it didn't have any signs or it didn't have any lower, you know, like those, what are they called? The oh, thing that, the thing. Yeah. The, the arm. The yeah. arm, yeah. <laughs> and then a family of four died and then the arm came, like, <laughs> the next week. So we're still learning about signs and warnings. <laughs> Yeah, it's this true. Nineties. <laughs> yeah, people say you know lawyers are ruining everything, but uh, you know these days you send your kid out with a eight foot metal wire and you know yeah. it'll be fine. You send your son out with metal wires all the time, right? That's the only toy we buy for him. Yeah. That and uh, leap, his old leapfrog toys and the letter source. Yeah, exactly. You know, we need to find out if we can get sponsorship from Leapfrog. <laughs> I mean, geez. I mean, that's the crazy thing, like, about toys back then. They were, like, literally these heavy objects that, like, could really, or really, really tiny, small things that kids could swallow. Like, in the 1919s, they didn't care. They didn't care about kids. You know? Do you think it's that they didn't care, or it's just that they didn't really think it was a problem? They just... It was more maybe ignorance, like... Where were the parents of this child? <laughs> hey, kids, here's some uh, splinter-filled wood and exposed <laughs> wires covered by lead paint. Happy Christmas! Where, where was the mother? <laughs> she was oh. in the kitchen cooking right. up yeah. a storm. <laughs> I guess, yeah, 1916. Uh, oh, 16. 1916 was when the accident happened. Well, they were all probably immigrants too right so who knows i mean who knows where they came from and what they could have been like super poor maybe yeah. cardboard boxes were their toys i don't know so wait so the kid had it is um had someone defend for him no he was the plaintiff so he was a plaintiff. He had a lawyer did he 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 has enough rich enough to afford a lawyer or i assume so lawyers yeah, uh, Steve, attorney Steve Gorman traveled back in time. <laughs> attorney, and screwed it up. He's like, if you're injured in an accident, call me. Someday there'll be things called billboards. <laughs> well, maybe back then, did they have like the free lawyer? What is that called? Like, yeah, really, what's that lawyer term? A contingency where they take a percentage. Yeah, if you win. I don't know the answer to that. Or Wait, I thought, like, like, only if you're a defendant, you need a free, you have a right to a lawyer only if you're a defendant. I don't know. Talking about two different things. Um, oh. Contingency lawyer is like the ones that they put the billboards up and they say, you don't pay anything unless we win. Mm -hmm. Right? Um, and, and in that case, they take a percent, if they take the case and then if you win, you, let's say you get a million dollars, they take 40%. Or fifty percent, or whatever. Mm. And what you're talking about is in a criminal defense case, if you can't afford an attorney, we will appoint one for you. So those are um, public defenders, and that's in a criminal case. So in a civil case, mm -hmm. if you get sued and you can't afford a lawyer, you're just kind of out of luck. 
Oh, that's only for criminal. Mm, right, that's right. Interesting. So, so he had, so he had like the Aaron Brockovich attorney of the time, right? Like, wasn't yes. she yeah, just defending was, people until there was judgment? Yeah, you know that that's always makes a good movie. But I always, you know, I kind of wonder, like um, John Travolta in a civil action, like you know, living out living out of his car and like fighting the good fight, and they never make the movie about the guy who like you know, takes on a hundred people in a town and like sues the big manufacturer and then loses <laughs> bankruptcy and then lives in a tent <laughs> under the freeway. Like that'd be such an interesting movie. Don't you think? <laughs> that'd be a sad movie. <laughs> it's like, it's like the other Aaron Brockovich. <laughs> she the took on side. the big banks and lost. <laughs> now she lives in her car. Yeah. <laughs> it's a 1982 Honda Accord. <laughs> Washes clothes in the LA River. <laughs> uh, I mean, I feel like this kid couldn't have been alone in it. Like, I feel like I just think about times in New York City in the 1900s. I would just think like hordes of little kids. Like, I feel like, to me, I feel like this kid was a, I don't know, he was up to something. I think like this wasn't the first time he did it. And I feel like he had a mm. band of friends. Like that's what I'm getting from this case. You so, really distrust that kid. I do. <laughs> I do. <laughs> it's these 12 year olds running around the street. Yeah, that's, what, that's what it was. I feel like, like people. <laughs> the, a, a New York version of Oliver Twist. That's what I had in mind. Huh. My, my brain did not go his, there at all. His eight-foot metal wire was for kicking the crap out of bigger kids. Yeah. I think he was. He's a little huh. thug. <laughs> I thought he was, That's what he came, he came off to me as. Like a little kid just like trying to torture the trolley system. <laughs> Interesting. What, yeah. you know, it could have been, what if like, some older bully kid like forced him to do it. Mm. And was like, oh, I bet you won't do it because you're scared. And then oh. he did it and he got electrocuted. Uh, oh yeah. That could be. I I don't know why, but I believe in this kid. You believe in a kid? Mm. Yeah. I don't think he's a jerk. I think <laughs> I think <laughs> I think he was a nice kid. I feel for him. <laughs> I don't know. I bet he would rob you, take your little pets, <laughs> no. your little pennies from you. But I wonder if the electrocution gave him special powers like Spider-Man. Hey, Adams. Hey, Adams. Yeah, yeah what up? Oh, we're both Adams. <laughs> we're brothers. We're twins. We're Adam brothers. Twins. Yeah, the Adam brothers. Donnie and Danny. Yes. Mm -hmm. And we always say our names to each other to remind us which one is which. Yeah, I'm Danny. That's Donnie. And, Donnie yeah, Danny. I'm Donnie. Danny. Yeah, and I'm Dante. Hey, Dante. Dante. I'm glad we all remind ourselves of our names before we yeah. go out and terrorize people with our long metal wires. Hey, I'm not terrorizing anybody. I'm cool. I don't terrorize. You don't terrorize? No. I just what? This is a gang. This is a gang. This is our one of our things we're supposed to do. It's we're supposed to terrorize. Why are you being a goody two shoes? Cause 
I read a book that said terrorizing is stupid. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're reading? Yeah. Are you reading, Dante? I don't read anything except the directions on long metal poles and, and metal wires. Yeah, we don't read in this gang. Well, Dude, I, that's why we're. I do. That's why our gang is called the 100% Not Reading Gang. Yeah, because we 100% not read. 100% we don't ever read anything. Well, now we like 10% read. We could be the 90% not read group. Well, okay, so there's three of us. Yeah. And if, if Dante, if, this is like a word, like in, like Dante, in arithmetic class. It's arithmetic class. So wait, there's wait, wait. three of us. I read about this. I read about this. And so it's the 75% not reading group. Wait a minute. So you're reading and Dante is doing math. What, what is happening to this gang? We're terrorizing the neighborhood with our math problems. We're just like going up to, we're going to go up to some old lady or something and be like, what's two plus two? Didn't think so. Grab your purse. What? No, we're taking our rods and we're smacking that old lady. I don't understand you two. But guys, I don't want to terrorize anymore. I want to be a standing citizen. What? Yeah. It's the new New York. We're like, what? cool. And we don't terrorize, but people still look up to us because we're so cool. My goodness. What are you going to get into politics and start, start trying to save this gang-filled community? Well, maybe. You're not supposed to know about that yet. Uh, that oh book is not. I can't believe this. I can't believe this. What happened to my New York City where I take my twin brother and our best friend Dante and we beat the crap out of those little uh, tourists trying to come on the Times Square and stuff? That's the old New York. This is the new New York. New York. The new, new New York. Hey, what, if we, what if we go over in um and like maybe we we should go like take a walk on the trolley tracks again and yeah maybe we can go fight with the other gang the uh we don't go to school very much gang yeah i'll go walk on the tracks with you but i'm not starting any fights all right well let's get our supplies together i've got a big metal pole Ooh, well, that's, that's a nice pole that's cool. Yeah. That's like twice your size, man, Dante. That's awesome. Uh, I've also got some rusty nails that my dad gave me for my birthday. Oh, man. Ooh. Those are the best toys ever. I love yeah. rusty nails. Oh, my God. Well, I got for Christmas, I got dynamite. Oh, oh man. That's I had awesome. dynamite before. But then, it's so you know, much fun. Oh, it was so much fun. Yeah. I got a big pack of matches for Christmas, so. Yeah, we can light it up. But not oh. terrorize. We'll just have fun. Yeah. Um, should I bring these dull razor blades with us or just leave them here? Hmm. They might come in handy. You never yeah. know. Okay. Bring all, them. This, all this stuff's kind of heavy. So maybe, D Danny, can you carry like the, the, the nails and the razor blades and I'll take the metal pole? Yeah. Uh or I, I could carry the pole. Okay, you carry the pole. You got okay. the. All right. Well, let's let's go see if we can like 
you know, beat up some kids with arithmetic problems or something. Yeah. I told you I'm not beating up any kids, guys. Not anymore. But I will swing this pole around because that's <laughs> <super> fun. <laughs> cool. That is really that's, cool. Oh, man. Twin brother. <laughs> you guys are the coolest. The way you break things and like, and like injure yourselves is so cool. Yeah. Guys, how... How far do you think I can swing this thing? Like, do you think I could like wrap it around the bridge? Oh yeah. Like, I wonder if I could like go all the way around the bridge, back up and like hit you in the face. <laughs> you could try it. Hey, look, there's a trolley coming. Try it now. What if we threw the the rusty nail yeah. trolley and then and then try to jam the metal pole in it? That would be smart, right? Wait, There's no we wait until after the trolley passes. Or I should do it now. Yeah, there's no signs or no warnings saying this is a bad idea. Right, True. and if there were signs and warnings, we wouldn't be able to read them anyway. And I'm no. not hurting anybody. I'm just swinging this stupid metal pole around. Okay, here I go. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. oh no. Whoa. Oh no. That was Are you <laughs> That looks fun. You wanna try it? <laughs> well, why don't you hand me why don't you hand me the, the razor blades and maybe I'll um Throw them at the trolley, next trolley that comes by. Guys, it seems I'm equally seeing, intelligent. I'm seeing like lightning sparks right now. Oh no. It's really weird. I might pass out. Whoa. You're really, you feel really warm. You're glowing. Whoa. Yeah. I think, I think you're floating off cool. the What? Oh my God. Superpowers. Oh, and oh. all of a sudden you're wearing really tight clothes. That's so weird. That's Whoa. crazy. What happened? I'm like super lightning rod boy. Whoa. Yeah. Like, like almost as though there would be like some kind of a, a hero that would be super. Yeah. Yeah. Super lightning rod. Yeah. I wonder if I could like throw lightning out or something. Like, Guys! Oh. Did you see that? Yeah, that nun. That nun is totally burnt. Yeah, there's like a little black and 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 white piece of cloth on the floor where she was yeah. before. You got that nun. Gone. Oh man, I didn't mean to hit a nun. Oops. <laughs> Clearly, you're not too concerned about the consequences. I got superpowers now. There are no consequences. <laughs> to hell with being good. Now I can be evil. There ain't no law against that. Right. We know that because we read it, yeah? Mm -hmm. You guys don't read. I'm the smart one. That's very smart of you to remind yeah. us of that. I will electrocute both of you. <laughs> if you don't listen to me. <laughs> oh, that really stung. We got oh. super light. What is it? Super lightning rod boy. Super wonder lightning boy. 
I yeah. hope you change New York City for the good. I hope you use the powers for good. Only evil. Electrocuting nuns, electrocuting kids, killing all the parents. And that's an origin story. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Marvel, Marvel. What? My uh, had a had a total arc. Yeah, yeah Marvel <laughs> Phase Six or whatever that. <laughs> he tried to be good, but it just wasn't for him. No, I think I think that's the oldest uh, superhero too, right? Yeah, Super Lightning Rod yeah, Boy. Yeah, Super Lightning Wonder Boy. Boy, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Two minutes in, I forgot if I was Donnie or Danny. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy man that was fun yeah that was fun it's really fun playing on the, the tracks I get it now <laughs> <laughs> yeah all these safety measures and stuff are really overrated right Seriously. I want to transition to uh, kind of a third beat and uh do a little interview. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. So we call it laying down the pretense. Ah. Is that a we lawyer were, term? No, we were pretending and now we're not. Oh. <laughs> oh, I that? Like no, I, I got it now. All right. So my first question is to Kathy. All right. Yes. So what's a defining? I, hmm? I feel like Miss America. Like, <laughs> Like I like that's how I'm gonna answer. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. What's an issue you care deeply <laughs> about? <laughs> World peace. Um, so, what's a defining moment that really shaped your identity? My uh, definitely. Oh boy, I I knew for the moment that I was gonna be in entertainment. Um, like after I saw the movie Aladdin, the film, and I was so jealous of everyone that was like, when the titles went by, I felt this severe jealousy of everyone there. And from that moment on, I left the, I left and I was like determined. And I told my mom and my sister, I'm like, I'm going to be in entertainment and I'm going to make a movie just as good as that. And I still remember like the feeling of it and the, I like, it was at the Grand Room Mall, AMC Theater, 1992. <laughs> I, it, it just, it, and I haven't changed from that. It's been in my head. It's, it's made me who I am. And, you know, I just knew from that, that moment, I'm taking entertainment seriously. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask Tony the same question because it's a good question, actually. Um, so it really is. <laughs> what's the defining moment that really shaped your identity? Hmm. Um, <laughs> I think, I mean, I started performing when I was like really little, started doing theater. But I think like the first time I got to play a lead and a uh, curtain call and Aww. like getting that applause <laughs> and like, I don't know, seeing that you, you can affect people from just being up on stage and like, having fun yeah. and then like I did a lot of children's theater when I was a teenager and 
I guess to go hand in hand with that, I just remember like after the show, we would go and like talk to the kids and we would sign autographs and stuff. And the fact that those kids truly believed that I was that character, like it always blew my mind that they were just like so excited to talk to me. Well, not <laughs> me, but that character just like, they just put everything it's like everything they saw was so true completely happened I was really that person and that is just to have that effect on someone to be able to do that is just like really rewarding I think to me um I knew like if I could if I can make people smile or laugh or cry by doing something I love like I gotta keep doing that Laughter is so addictive. <laughs> I actually, when I was like a, a lot younger, when I was really young, I used to only want to do like sad songs and serious monologues. <laughs> like I was like, no, I'm a serious actress. I want people to cry. And now I'm like totally the opposite. Although I still like sad songs, but yeah, it's funny. I went through a stage, a sad stage. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's really cool it's just that that um i think that feeling i think there's sort of two things that are interesting about what both of you said it's like that <clears throat> that moment when the curtain comes down and the the story ends and like that that feeling of kind of like you've been on a journey yeah um mm -hmm. you know whether you're performing or it, like there's this this um sense of community that we have when we we have a shared artistic experience it's like nothing else and and it's i think it's interesting kathy that it was in the theater right yeah this mm -hmm. this collective experience like and, and the credits rolling is really the curtain coming down right yeah. so um there's that this interesting um pairing of what you said and tony said right sort of like the two sides the audience experience and the the performers experience Mm -hmm. um, and I think the other thing is that transformative thing. Like, we need to laugh so much right now. This is yeah. like this year has been really tough. Oh yeah. And yeah. like just just having like some kind of an experience that takes you out of, you know, that that um, routine. We just really need it. It's such a exactly. such a good point, Tony. I'm going to ask you the next question. What's one of your greatest hopes? Can it be political? <laughs> <laughs> Of course, because I was <laughs> my greatest hope right now is that Trump will be voted out. It's just it's all I can think about right now. Yeah. I'm I am so nervous that he's going to win again. And I I I don't know what I will do if he does, because my whole faith in humanity will be destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we're, we're recording this episode um, four days before the election, <laughs> and it will be released a month afterward. Oh, should I give it? So we, we don't have any idea. We don't have any idea what's going to happen. We don't. Yeah. So, um, so we'll we'll either rewind this to, um, uh, you know, I can't. I'm trying to think of what future uh, me is going to think about this, but. Um, well, if he does win. You're gonna, we're gonna have to record something with me just having a total breakdown and sobbing and just cut that in there. And yeah, he's not and gonna we'll win. know. 
I knock on wood, but <laughs> knock on a lot of wood. <laughs> we're going to do everything we can for the next couple of days, weeks, months, however long it takes. <laughs> the thing is, it's very possible that um, we may not, we may not have a resolution until December, and yeah. because because the um, states certify the results, but I think they certify the results by December or something. Because they realize it takes so long. Don't they go like I don't know if it's the Senate or the House, but they they go and they say like they have like a a procedure, right? Mm-hmm. Like everyone says the delegates went to or something like that. Mm-hmm. Hello, children. This is the future fairy. I'm taking you forward in time to 8.30 a.m. on November 7th, and your wish has been granted. Silver Lake is exploding with joy. Can you hear it, children? You're welcome. Yeah. I know it's like secretive. It's never ever shown or anything, but because it's only presumed to like, it's because it's only what, like, they don't know. All, I mean, all the mail-in ballots aren't counted at at the election night. So it's always presumed. And then like a month, you know, later than they know for tr- for sure. I don't know anything about politics. <laughs> mean. Wait, do they start counting ballots? Like with all this early voting this year, have they already started counting or are they, is there some rule or law that they can't count until that day? Like how does some that states, work? Yeah, some states. Yeah, some every, states you have to wait that day. Every state's different. And actually because there's so much litigation going on now, the rules are changing um, almost every day. So it's um, kind of crazy. Mm. I mean, it's like... Um, Pennsylvania, where Kathy's from, the rules yeah. changed. The rules changed twice in the last two weeks. Oh, wow! Yeah, and yeah, and there was a, a a footnote in another case where, and it was in the Pennsylvania case, where it's like it could change again. Who knows? So, hey, what it, do you think about the the whole like the fake ballot boxes and then like they're not really getting in trouble for it, right? Um, like there was that church. In yeah. California, I think, right? That put yeah. the, f- and now they're saying, like, I thought I read something that was saying, like, they're just, they're not going to get in trouble for that. How can they not get in trouble for that? It's kind of like if you think about um, speeding on the freeway, you know, the cops only pull over so many people. So there's so much. How many co- people are putting out fake ballot boxes? <laughs> no, I, I, no, I know. Come on. It's just, it's just <laughs> if you've ever tried to get law enforcement to do something, uh, yeah. You know, it's uh, incredibly hard um, to to actually enforce the law. So it is. So, um, um, Kathy, what's your (laughs) no, no? um, What's your greatest hope? Um, My greatest hope is I actually really, really want like the um, uh, for real. Like, I feel like everyone would be so much better if like we kind of let go of the idea like there's one American dream you know what I'm saying because I, I feel like um and one American family I hope like it's we've gone so far already like at least we don't think it's man wife two-point kids you know that stuff but there's still places where if you're a single lady you're kind of 
or a single guy, you're kind of like still, well, you don't have that success or, you know, like stuff like that. And I just, I hope to see like in my lifetime, like the idea of family, people don't put so much, I don't know, pressure. That's where a lot of anxiety comes from me, like the word success and being successful in America, you know, and it's just like, oh, if you're not this certain look, and I just hope, I hope that's gone. Like, I hope, like, kids seem, kids seem nowadays to, like, understand emotions and, you know, uh, status and all that stuff, like, that I didn't even know about, like, when I was little. So I think in the future, like, we'll just let people be people. That's what I hope. <laughs> that sounds like a Miss America thing, but it's actually <laughs> the thing that I just, I just was like, I stress about, I'm just like, oh, why don't people just let other people be people? Yeah, as a parent of a teenager, it seems to me, it's a small sample size, but it seems to me like they are a lot more open. They're a lot more um, comfortable with diversity. Yeah. Um, they're because a lot- like, we didn't, I mean, when I was little, like if you said that you were sad or depressed, like people were like, oh, you're crazy. But nowadays, like kids know. Kids know, like, you, you can have, you can be sad, but then you can be so crazy. Like, you're not a wimp, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Very true. So is your son way cooler as a kid than you were? Oh, a hundred <laughs> times. Oh, I was such a nerd. <laughs> he's definitely way cooler than me. Uh, yeah, he's a very, he's a very awesome, amazing kid. I'm really lucky. Um, and his mom gets all the credit because I'm kind of... <laughs> No, no I don't believe that. <laughs> That's nice of you to say, but uh, no, he's a great kid. Um, and I'm going to try to get him or he's agreed to Ooh. be a guest on my podcast. I've been bugging him for about a month and a half. Like, <laughs> nice. okay, okay. Wait, was he in the sketch in the, um, the voting sketch? Was yeah, that, that was him. Okay. That, that, he's so that, tall. That, yeah, I know he's uh, he is tall and he, um, he he looked good. He so I was just like, come on, be in the sketch. And he's like, all right. <laughs> but then I asked him to put it up on his TikTok, and he's like, mm. no. I'm like, what is it off brand? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not putting my dad on my TikTok. <laughs> exactly. So um, all right. So this is a this is a question I like to ask, and I'm gonna um, I'm gonna go to Tony on this one. If you were to give a TED talk. What's your idea worth spreading? Ooh, that's a, that's a hard question. Um, my idea, be positive. <laughs> I know, that's a, no, it sounds so cheesy and stupid, but like seriously, like, like be positive, believe in yourself, take chances. Like, mm. I feel like, Anytime I made any like major progress in my life, it's because I was positive, I believed in myself, and I took a risk. Oh, wow. So I, I think there's such like simple things, but we, we don't do those things all the time. Like, it's so easy to be negative. It's so easy to like, stay where you are in your life and just not keep moving ahead you know those are like the easy things to do it's a lot harder to to say you know what i can leave that job that i hate 
and trust and believe in myself that something better will happen when I do that. Cause you have to like open yourself up to that better experience. So, I mean, just, I don't know, a year and a half ago, I swore I would never, ever, ever do improv ever. <laughs> I was like, I can't do it. I'm not, you know, I'm not witty enough. I'm not smart enough. I'll never be good at improv. And then, you know, cut to me saying, I need to challenge myself. I'm going to take improv. I'm just going to see what it's like. And then like loving it and then continuing through to, you know, to uh, the conservatory program. So it's just like, I only did that because I was willing to be uncomfortable, but also believe in myself and stay positive about it, you know? Mm. So that, that is what my TED talk would be about. <laughs> Where's your virtual link? I will sign up for that. <laughs> yeah? I need that. I need All right. that. It's so true. Even um, with my, my, my voiceover work and, you know, like, most actors have some kind of backup job. And again, like a year and a half ago, I was managing a store. I wasn't happy. I'd been there so long and I was so stuck. And I kept, I knew, I knew the only way to move forward was to leave that job, but I was so scared. You know, what if I don't have enough money? You know, it's expensive to live in LA. Um, and then I finally was like, you know what? You just, again, like you have to believe in yourself. You have to be positive and you have to take that, that leap. And now like it was the best decision I, I could have made, especially with all this stuff that's going on and being able to really support myself from working at home before you had to work from home. You know, it just, it all worked out and I, it, it wouldn't have if I didn't just take that leap and just be positive, even when I was scared and, you know, not feeling as positive as I could be. That'll be $50. <laughs> Virtual ticket. I know. I wish I had like the, what's the, uh, the you know, the sound effect they have. Boom, boom. <laughs> like that. I think maybe I should do a TED talk. I maybe. Know, I just... <laughs> I just TED talked myself into doing a TED talk. <laughs> Kathy, what's your idea worth spreading? I would say be open about your guilty pleasures just because everyone says like, oh, like they'll watch this TV because it's a guilty pleasure. But if it's bringing you pleasure, talk about it. Open up with other people. Then you'll find so much happiness to talk about it because if it's bringing you pleasure. For me, it's dolls. <laughs> like, I, there's always points in my life where I'm like quiet about my love of dolls. But then when I open up and I talk about my Barbie dolls with somebody else, then that I'll be like, oh, it's a guilty pleasure. But then it's talking to people and I'm like, oh my God, I love this so much. And then you meet people. So I'm saying that the guilty pleasure should be out and open. Thank you. I like it. <laughs> I like it. All right, for the, all right, ready for the speed round? The speed round, the light. Yeah. Oh, all okay. right, I'm ready? nervous, I'm nervous. Nope, uh, it's easy. <laughs> Five things that you're grateful for. Me first? For, yeah, you go first. <laughs> Um, my cats, I'm grateful for 
my house in Pasadena, I, my little apartment in Pasadena, because I can walk to Target, like walk to Ralph's, and I love walking in Pasadena. <laughs> I'm grateful for my family, and I'm grateful for Aladdin, and I'm grateful for comedy. Five, right? That was five. Wait, do I have to go? Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm grateful for my family, for sure. Um, I'm grateful for my talent. Does that sound terrible? But I am grateful. No. <laughs> um, I'm grateful for. Um, this is gonna sound silly. I'm grateful for Zoom workouts. <laughs> I'm grateful for um, the improv community, like our this. I'm grateful for this and and our Monday night improv and just anything creative. Um, and I'm grateful for music. Mm. That's great. Thank you both. Um, so what's coming next from both of you? We kind of said it at the top, but um, if you just tell, you know, where can people find you on the interwebs? What's coming next? What are you excited about? And um, we'll take it, take it out. I love podcasts and I love making podcasts. And so I have... Uh, one that already has three seasons called Super Squirrel Conversation. It's basically uh, me and my friend Kristen. Um, basically, our take if if Oprah and Gail were squirrels. So we talked. <laughs> <laughs> so I play Acorn, who's a very Oprah squirrel, and we talk to um, each comedian. Um, from the LA uh, community, we had a new guest. They would come in as a character, as like a beaver cat so we're, so we were talking about that and then we have our upcoming one um guide for clueless rich people um which is all improv too so i love i love him i love podcasts i love improv so follow me at squirrel underscore combo and thank you for letting me be on here billy <laughs> yeah <laughs> it was fun tony where can people find you uh you can find me on Instagram at Tony Senator. Uh, mm. Basically anywhere, just Tony Senator, Tony with an I, you will find my name and me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and what, a, what do I have coming up? Well, I have that, I'm nominated for that award. I find out December 6th, I think, is the, when they read off the winners. So keep your fingers crossed for me. <laughs> It'd be cool to win a, an award. Possibly maybe this like musical podcast in the works. We recorded some depth mm -hmm. for it. I'm not sure what's happening with it right now. Uh, but hopefully something more will come of that. Do you know the name of that one? Um, <clears throat> I don't know. But it's like it's like a full musical, kind of like Rocky Horror-esque musical. Um, but I'm not exact. I thought that it was going to be happening like right now and that it's not happening. Uh, so I hope that it's still going to happen. But I don't know if it has an official name at the moment. Mm. But a lot of talented people are working on it. So I believe I'm going to stay positive. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I want to thank you both for being my guest today and um, for being a gang of 1916 hoodlums. Yeah. And, you know, a superhero. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> 
Laying Down the Law is a product of Beyond Unreasonable Doubt, produced by Jeffrey Feitner and Verboten Productions. Our music is Galactic Damages by Jingle Punk, cover art courtesy of Q, and I'm your host, Billy DeClerc, letting you know that I have my doubts. I have enough extra doubts that I can lend you some doubt if you need any. Thank you, Tony and Kathy, for joining me today. And um, that's our show.